0: Hello once again, and welcome everybody to another edition of My Buffalo Blues. Well, it is a good day to be a Bills fan this Monday, this Victory Monday, because the Bills beat the brakes off of Washington. And... The game really wasn't close. I mean, the final score, 43-21, isn't close, but the game wasn't even that close, to be honest. I mean, this game was 21-0 before a huge touchdown run by Antonio Gibson. Great play, though. Um, And then a kind of like a freakish onside kick, almost, that set Washington up with a short field. For their second touchdown to make it 21 14, but Bills add a couple field goals before the half and don't look back at that point. So it was never really in question at all. But it's hard to find, you know, anything that was bad about this game, other than a couple freak occurrences. Uh the Bills did everything they wanted to. They got the ball first and went down the field, eight plays seventy-five yards. Josh Allen went five of six and found Emmanuel Sanders on a little rollout play where he zipped one in along the sideline and Sanders halted in for the touchdown. And, you know, looking at that drive and seeing how patient, how poised, how accurate he was in my head and a little bit on Twitter, I had some words for the, you know, Josh Allen is not elite crowd. Um, I'd gotten into an argument with a Seahawks fan who had posted that Josh Allen is trash. And this was after game two. And so he's going over the numbers with me. And I pointed out to him that, you know, Russell Wilson not winning ballgames, uh, that he couldn't string together a possession to get a field goal to beat the Titans. And nobody's questioning whether or not Russell Wilson's elite. Um, so Allen having a couple of rough games early in the season where he actually showed improvement between game one and game two. I don't know why people are so upset that Josh gets mentioned in that conversation as one of the better quarterbacks. Like, he clearly earned it last season. He got off to a slow start. But in this game, I think he reminded everybody why people were so high on him coming off of last year. And he showed a lot of his critics that you know, his demise was greatly exaggerated. So doing it against a Washington defense that was ranked pretty highly last season, although they're playing like shit this year, it, it was still impressive. They might even be the best defense of the three that the Bills played so far, although Pittsburgh is very formidable when T.J. Watt is healthy, which he was against the Bills. Hasn't been since, and you've seen the results in Pittsburgh. But uh, anyway, Bills score first, and then the defense comes out, forces a fumble, or I think they forced a punt and then a fumble. The Bills decided to go for it on fourth down after the punt on Washington's first possession. And they didn't get it, but, you know, in the other game when they were in a weird you know, positional possession game I would have wanted them to kick the field goal and in this game it was really windy out they're already up and trying to get Bass to kick like a 50 something yarder and how windy it was I understood the decision to go for it and they didn't fear the offense of Washington as much as maybe they did in the, uh, the Pittsburgh game so I don't begrudge them the decision to end up uh, at least trying to go for an on 4th down. They turned it over, but then on that next possession, they forced the fumble and recovered with a short field. And, you know, Josh Allen went three for three, hit Zach Moss for a little touchdown in the flat. But that was a drive where Moss touched the ball five times and you started to see the value of putting the ball in the running back's hands, which, you know, I've been preaching since we saw what happened in week one where they you know, threw the ball 80% of the time. It's not that I want them to run the ball more often than they throw. I just want better balance, and that was the first glimpse in this game of seeing that balance. And after what Moss did in Miami, even after fumbling, I think it was important to get his confidence back and reassure him that they brought him in for a reason. And if he stays healthy and he doesn't fumble, he's already shown in a couple of games, like what kind of player he can be. So super happy with how Moss played, super happy with the defense as well. Um, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, who I've been saying it for a couple years that these guys are the best safety tandem in football and I think a lot of Bills fans agree that that is the case but I also think that the majority of sports media tends not to agree with it because they hear it coming from Bills fans but I think if you just look at what the Bills secondary does I don't know if there's a better pair of safeties on the field at the same time so It was nice to see them both get interceptions in this game. And Poyers came on a ball that was thrown to McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry. He's a beast. And the Bills shut him down. Like, if you look at what he's done so far this season, it's really hard to, like, take him out of the game. And in the moments where he was able to get the ball, like, he still played pretty well. It It wasn't terrible. He just wasn't able to hurt the Bills in the way that he's hurt some of these other teams. But uh, Taylor Heineke tried to force a ball in there, and Poyer was able to get a hold of it, and run it back into good starting field position for the Bills. And it took them three plays, and Josh Allen found Dawson Knox with this crazy back shoulder throw, and Knox came up with a fantastic catch there. And probably in years prior, that's a catch that Knox isn't going to make, so it was nice to see... Both Allen making the right read, throwing a nice ball, and Dawson Knox being able to haul that thing in. And that's three things, not two. So all of that stuff was nice. Bills are up 21-0 at that point. And then Antonio Gibson breaks off a 73-yard touchdown run. You can't really hate him. I think it was actually on a swing pass. It wasn't a touchdown run. It was a screen play. And he had blocking and he found a hole and he took it to the house and he got that last effort at the goal line to get right past Tredavious white hats off great play. I mean, it, Washington needed something like that. They were on life support at 21, nothing. And I think the bills just, you know, they took their foot off of their throat a little bit. Cause so it was like, okay, well it's 21 zip. This game's over. And they, they slept a little bit on the offense and they paid for it. So whatever, big deal. Uh, 21 seven and then on the kickoff uh, Dustin Hopkins just boots this thing up in the air and I don't know if he was trying to or not or if it was just the wind that got a hold of it but when this thing hit the ground it jackknifed backwards (laughs) so uh, Isaiah McKenzie when he was getting ready to catch the ball like I don't think he was gonna fair catch it but he came up way short like he just completely misread it in the air and the ball landed maybe like five yards in front of him and took a bounce back towards Washington, and a couple players got their hands on it and kind of bounced around, and then Dustin Hopkins was running downfield in his coverage lane, and he just saw what happened and was able to dive on it. So I don't know if I've ever seen a onside kick like that ever before. Don't know that we'll ever see one again like that. I don't think it was designed to be an onside kick at all, and just, hey, great heads-up play. Great heads-up play. Nothing you can do about that. So they started, I think it was at like the 22, 23-yard line after that, and Heineke just hit a couple of passes that got him down inside the five, and he broke one, and he just ran it in from four yards out. So, hey, good on them. They capitalized on the situation. But now it's 21-14, and... Initially, when the spread was set at 7.5, I was like, you know, I want to think that Washington is better than getting beat by 7.5, but I also think the Bills were good enough to win the game by a touchdown, but in order to hedge my bets, I ended up picking Washington to cover that game, uh, so when it was 21-14, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a game now, it'll be a little bit more of a struggle, and it wasn't at all, uh, seriously wasn't (laughs) a struggle at all after that, um, I think Washington did get a stop on the Bills' ensuing possession after making it 21-14, but the Bills' defense came right back out and put a 3-and-out on Washington. And then Buffalo took back over and kicked the field goal, make it 24-14. And yeah, what else happened there it was, uh... oh, they it was the interception that got taken away. Taron Johnson's interception looked like a great play, and then every referee on the field decided to throw a flag on that, and they flagged you know four different Bills players with four different penalties. They're like, we're not letting you guys get this interception right here. But regardless, Washington punted. Bills get the ball back with twenty-five seconds left in the half. And Josh Allen came out here and went four for four and just slinging it, making some great throws, got him in field goal range, Bass hit it to put him up 27-14 at the half. And I think by halftime, Allen already had close to 300 yards, if not over 300 yards and three touchdowns passing. So by halftime, a lot of the uh, chatter about Josh Allen not being a good quarterback was over. You know, I think everybody had seen enough that they realized that all the people jumping on that bandwagon in the first couple of weeks of the season were uh, very sadly mistaken. So they come out of the locker room. They have the lead comfortably by two touchdowns, but the drive that they got to... Well, they didn't start the second half with the ball, but their first drive of the second half was fantastic it was a 17 play drive 93 yards I want to say after they forced a punt from Washington and it was their longest drive in terms of both total plays and yardage and that's the Bills offense that I know it can be and that offense is scary so I really can't say anything better so let's go through that drive Josh Allen went Uh, 9 of 10 on that drive he found emmanuel sanders for his second touchdown of the afternoon but on that drive they still ran the ball seven times so 10 passes seven runs and even though they only got 22 yards on those seven carries the balance is crucial so up to and including that drive every bill's drive that ended in a touchdown started with a run play the other four drives to that point in the game had all started with passes and in order it went turnover on downs punt field goal field goal only their very last touchdown drive of the game started with the pass and they started with the ball basically in the red zone there and you know I was preaching balance and run the football after week one because we saw like an 80-20 split Between passing offense and rushing offense. And then in week two in Miami, it was 60 40. And if you look at the overall play distribution in this game, it was, I think, 35% run. So it doesn't have to be 50 50. It doesn't have to be run dominant. But being able to at least split it like one out of every three plays is a run play. It's so valuable, and I'm so glad that, you know, Brian Dable recognized recognize that. And maybe getting Zach Moss back encouraged him to run a little bit more, but it makes it so much harder on the defense to key in on what the offense is doing when you're going to sneak some run plays in there. And you start to get the defense worried about Allen and what he can do. All those run plays are going to be extra valuable because you're going to be able to get some chunks here and there. You're going to be able to utilize the running backs out of the backfield a little bit better it just makes everything work better when you can run the ball with some consistency. Even if you're not killing it with the yardage, being able to run the ball on first down, start the clock, use it to get ahead of the chains here and there in short situations. Like it just makes everything so much better. And well, I'm on the topic of offensive play calling. I know I've been hard on Dable because the bar is just set really high now. And Last season, when I was very critical of him for some of his late-game play calling and the lack of running the ball with the lead in the second half and just, like, not playing football to emphasize the clock being your friend when you have the lead. I know I'm on his ass a lot, but I do not hate the man, right? And I know that he suffered a very difficult loss prior to this game, and I feel for him, and my heart goes out to him and his family – And I also think it says a lot about him as a man and as a coach that his guys went out there and performed like they did for him. So, Dabes, it's all love, man. I just want you to, you know, do your best and get the best product out there on the field from the guys. So I'm sorry for your loss, man. Moving on to that final touchdown of the game for the Bills that I had just mentioned It was the icing on the cake in this game. It made it 43-14, and Josh Allen just ran this one in himself just to make fantasy owners happy after those first couple of weeks where he, you know, maybe people were thinking they made a mistake with him. I think that gave him like a 40-50 point day. Uh, Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But that was a 10-play... No, I'm sorry. Incorrect. That was a short field. It was only a couple of plays, and he ended up walking it in. Washington had their best drive of the game after that, when the game was basically over. And they put it together, 10 plays, 75 yards. And I think against, like, the Bills' defense, like, there's some, like, moral victory there. Um, and they featured Terry McLaurin... Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas on that drive. So it's like they have some good pieces in place. They just haven't really been able to consistently get production out of everybody else to like maximize their offense, at least not in this game. So 43-21 final score. That puts the Bills tied with Denver as the highest point differential in football at plus 50. And, you know, the narrative is a lot different now than it was at the end of week one. So by the numbers, the Bills have a top five offense and a top five defense. And that's scary for the rest of the AFC. And if you're looking at it now, you had the Ravens already lost the game. The Chiefs already lost the game. So now that the Bills, or the Chiefs lost twice, actually. So the Bills have the upper hand now when it comes to getting that home field advantage for them and I know Denver and Vegas are still undefeated at 3-0 but if the Bills played either of those teams the Bills win let's just be honest the Raiders are a lot better than they used to be Denver hasn't played anybody yet so both of those teams are going to be tested a lot more the Bills have already had some tough matchups in the first three weeks I think the Bills win either of those games and are the best team in the AFC currently. So, in the last episode, I had talked about uh, Emmanuel Sanders when I was talking to my brother and in the first couple weeks of the season, it just looked to me that the offense was looking to get Sanders involved, right? Like, they didn't bring him in for no reason, so they are trying to see how he was going to fit. And... He's a great receiver. He could run every route in the route tree. And... Having a veteran like that makes the whole group better. But the relationship, just like, it wasn't quite there yet. You know, he missed a couple of deep throws to him. Maybe didn't realize, like, the right kind of speed. I'm sorry. Allen missed a couple of throws to Sanders here and there. I think in targets, he's got, like, 11 catches on 20 targets. So it's not horrible. Um... But now it looks like they're starting to hit that rhythm, and they're starting to trust each other, and he's starting to give Sanders chances, and we've seen them hit that deep pass now. They missed it in the first game, but in Miami, he hit a big one for like 40. In this game, he hit another big one for like 40 that Sanders made a fantastic fingertip catch on. And So I think they're starting to get it together. You're going to start to see the offense open up a little bit more. But the distribution has been good. Uh, Diggs has 31 targets. Beasley's got 30. Sanders got 20. I think Knox has 12. Um, I don't know. I, I am missing Gabriel Davis, though. Knox does have 12, by the way. I just looked at that for you. So I'm missing Gabriel Davis. I think bringing Sanders into the offense, he's taken a lot of those routes away. But he's a talented player. He had, you know, like 600 receiving yards and seven touchdowns last year as a rookie. He's not a guy that I want to see sit on the sidelines forever. Um, But right now, it's looking like, you know, he's going to have some regression, unfortunately, just because his usage isn't there. He caught that nice touchdown in the Steelers game, and I think he had two catches on five targets for a touchdown in that game. So as long as the Bills are going to run three wide receiver sets, he's going to be the odd man out, basically. Because um, the Bills look like they're basically designed to play three wide with a tight end or line up and play a little like smash mouth with a uh, heavy set inside. I'd like to see them play more fi- four wide receiver down the stretch because you can really you know, spread out offenses that are thin at the cornerback position that way. But the, the O-line protection in the first game wasn't there, so you can't really mess around with that. And it's gotten better. And against that, Washington front like did a fantastic job. I didn't look it up, but uh, I don't remember Allen getting sacked. He, he may have, so don't quote me, but the offensive line protected great in that game, and they had a really good defensive line across from them. And I think Defensive Rookie of the Year on the edge and they handled it well. So if they can pass protect like that with only five guys in and spread defenses out and get them to play in, you know, dime coverage or something like that, the Bills have a lot of passing options and it opens up some easy running lanes for Moss and Singletary to maybe get some mismatches in the box and just pick up like five, six yard carries here and there, which is super valuable. So I don't know, I've been preaching balance since week one, since last year, uh, since always. So I'm not going to pass judgment on, you know, what they're trying to do on the field. It clearly worked out really well the last couple games. Uh, and honestly, like if you have all these receivers and there's just so many good receivers that you can't get them all the ball, that's not a terrible problem to have at all. So I'm happy with it. That's a plus kind of game for the bills. And then they get to welcome the Texans to town in week four. And that's a super friendly matchup for Buffalo. They should go to three and one in that game. And their opening is 17 point favorites, which is ginormous. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a spread that high. I'm sure there has been, but I don't think I've seen a spread that high anytime recently. Uh, I've seen, like, 13, 14, 15, and all those are really high, too. Like, this is professional football, after all. The Texans are going to game plan, uh, but they lost pretty convincingly to Carolina, and the Bills have significantly more offensive firepower and a better defense than the Panthers. I wouldn't bet this game, but Bills can very easily cover 17 in this game, especially after the last two, but you would think that maybe they're due for a little bit of a setback, Or a little bit of a step back from the sheer dominance that they've showed. But I hope not. The Texans really aren't equipped to deal with the Bills. And the Bills just need to, you know, respect that they can do some things well. Treat them like legitimate opponents. uh, Don't play like the Chiefs. Don't play some arrogant bullshit football. And turn the ball over four times and give the other team the chance to win. But it's going to be sad to not see Tyrod out there, to be honest. Uh, Tyrod Taylor still on IR with his hamstring injury. I don't think he would have made the Texans a real threat in that game either, but he led the Bills to their drought breaking playoff berth a couple years back. Kind of got a raw deal in Buffalo. They traded away all the talent around him for draft capital, still made the playoffs. And then kicked him out of the town next year to draft Allen. He went to Cleveland where he was the starter until he wasn't, until he got replaced by another rookie, Baker Mayfield. And so he left in the off season after that, joined the Chargers where he was the starter until he got his lung punctured by the team doctor doing a pain injection or an injection of some painkiller. He wasn't injecting him with pain, although when you puncture someone's lung as a doctor, you are injecting them with pain. Nonetheless, he loses his starting job. Head coach Anthony Anthony Lynn at the time says, I'm not going to have him lose a job due to injury. Chargers rookie Justin Herbert comes in, shows that he's going to be the guy, and... Lynn backpedals on that statement just says I'm sorry Tyrod I know I said I wasn't going to do this but Herbert's our guy and you are no longer the starter so fast forward to Houston here Tyrod is the backup not the starter but the Deshaun Watson shit off the field gives Tyrod the opportunity to start goes out there wins a game has them competitive against Cleveland until he tears his hamstring or whatever he did they end up losing that game And he's replaced by a rookie again. And if Davis Mills starts playing well and starts getting the Texans winning some games, you never know. Tyrod may never get his job back. But uh, that sucks. It does. And I hope Tyrod at least travels with the team. I hope he's on the sideline because... I think he's going to get some love from Bills Mafia, and he deserves it, and especially after having this season kind of go the way it did and having all the seasons go the way they did after leading the Bills to the— Super, or not to the Super Bowl. That's foreshadowing for this season. But after leading the Bills to the playoffs, he deserves some love. And I'm bummed for him. I always liked him, but he was just always too conservative to be the guy for Buffalo and— you see now with Josh Allen what the Bills had in mind and I can't really be mad at it but I still got love for Tyrod. So bummer that they won't see him out there. Uh I think that's it. I ain't got nothing else to say. The game was fantastic. Monday's always better when the Bills win. And I look forward to the Bills getting to 3 and 1 this upcoming weekend. If you're listening to this, uh thanks for listening. I appreciate it. If there's a, if there's a way you can let me know, you give me ratings or tell me I suck or whatever you need to do, you handle your business. And as long as you keep listening, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks everybody. Thanks once again for joining us. The Scheist podcast is an extension of thescheist.com. If you like what we're doing here, you can help us out by liking, subscribing, sharing, all that good stuff from wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Bills!